So we've talked about pyroluria on Ask Dr. Gill, the podcast, and I've been getting more questions about pyroluria, what it is, more specifics, and also what causes it. Today on Ask Dr. Gill, I want to talk about what may be the underlying cause of pyroluria and what it is. And at the end, I also wanted to talk a bit about an announcement of some information that I have. So stay tuned. Welcome to Ask Dr. Gill. I'm Dr. Gil Winkleman. And today on the program, I want to talk about pyroluria and follow up as well with the previous podcast on RAD, but also talk about the issues a little more in depth. There's been questions that I've received both from patients and also just people, colleagues I talk to about about pyroluria, what's going on, and what causes it. So that's kind of what I wanted to, to discuss today. So so first of all, pyroluria, what is it? Well, um, and I have another podcast about this, so I'll, I'll be brief about this. But it's basically a, a condition that occurs in the body where there there's an incomplete breakdown of of hemoglobin, and hemoglobin is the uh, part of the red blood cell that has iron in it that then will bind with oxygen. So that's the that's the piece that binds oxygen and carbon dioxide, but that that sort of circulates through the body. And in pyroluria, there's something about that that doesn't break down properly, and really we don't truly understand it, and it's something that's measured, and we, we actually measure it in the urine from a clinical standpoint, hence the term urea, but pyrrole meaning pyrrole, which is this type of compound showing up in the urine. And the effect is, is that it basically inactivates much of the zinc and the B6 in our body. And so... It's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, you can test normal for zinc in the body, but your body is acting as if it is zinc deficient. So that's kind of the piece of it. There's also a, uh, an issue with other nutrients that, that can get interfered with. Uh, for example, uh, a gamma, gamma linoleic acid niacinamide, which is, you know, another B vitamin, biotin, and sometimes manganese. So oftentimes taking B vitamins can can counteract the effects of pyroluria. But, um, you know, and, and, and in terms of the symptoms of pyroluria, uh, there's, there's a long list of symptoms. And some of them are more uh, mental-emotional. Depression, uh, manic, de- manic depression is, is big anger outbursts, uh, people who have trouble uh, with dealing with their stress, people who have trouble in crowds, 
uh, or in dealing in social situations, oftentimes people with pyroluria might have anxiety or attention deficit issues, they, which will then create a, a learning issue. So sometimes we see, um, for example, dyslexia with that. Now, there's also physical ailments as well. And the, the typical one that I see is, is skipping breakfast. Um, uh, typically, a patient with pyroluria uh, d doesn't want to you know, eat in the morning. It takes a little time for them to kind of get, get the motor running, as it were. And, and sometimes they'll, they'll have digestive issues as, an, as a result so of the pyroluria, that is. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's a whole list of issues, and I've actually um, put together several articles on the website, www.askdrgill.com, and you can take a look at that and see uh, a list of the symptoms. And I, and I have a questionnaire in my intake paperwork, if you come in to see me, that I use in terms of being able to, to assess the pyroluria. Um, so that's kind of the piece to this. Now, the thing about RAD with this is that many of the kids that I've, I, I have in my, in my practice with RAD have pyroluria. Now, many of them don't, and it seems to be about a 50-50 split. And we're not totally sure what that is, though even some of them who show up negative on the pyroluria do well with the pyroluria-type treatment. And one of the, the, the challenges with pyroluria is getting an accurate test. And we do a test. We have a good lab. I trust them. And it's not about the lab. It's that you don't always see the result of the pyrroles in the urine. And sometimes patients are so low in zinc, you won't see it on the test either. So the way the test works is it's basically measuring using a spectrophotometer, which is a fancy piece of equipment that in effect is you know, getting a signal from something. And in this case, it's getting it from zinc. If there's no zinc in the system, it's going to be hard to, for the, the system to register the pyrrole. Uh, so, so that's one possibility. The other possibility is sometimes the urine sample is taken at a time when the kid is relaxed and they're not having an outburst. And that's really the best time to get the sample, but is also the most challenging time to get the sample. And so as a result, you know, you're not getting the, the issue, you know, you're not seeing the issue uh, as it relates, uh, you know, to, to the condition. Right, and and you, the, what you see with pyroluria is a waxing and waning of the problem. And in, for example, with manic depression, you know the depression and the mania show up when the pyro levels are really really high. And when they're not high, person is functioning, you know, normally. And and we do see that with patients. We see that the, if you test the pyro levels at different times. Uh, even even with you know without treatment, they are going to show up with different levels. So 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 that that's one of the challenges with it. And sometimes we treat it presumptively uh, based on some of the other assumptions. For example, if their zinc is already low in their blood, or 
their zinc is normal and they have white spots on their fingernails, you know, st stuff like that. So uh, I would recommend getting professional help in terms of that because the level of nutrients should be monitored uh, and, and adjustments sometimes need to be made uh, that are appropriate. And it's unless you have specific training and, and I have specific training, I've been, you know, I'm a certified Walsh Institute practitioner and I would recommend using one of them. Uh, we go through a long, long process with that, and we're all medical, you know, trained medical professionals as well. So that, you know, it, there's pieces to that that you you're not going to pick up just by listening to this podcast. Uh, this is more informational as opposed to you know using it to treat yourself. Just just as an, an FYI. So let's talk a bit about the causes of pyroluria. And we'll probably do some of them, uh, and then take a break, and then do and, and then do some more. So the the biggest one that I have seen that were that I suspect is genetics. Now let me just preface this for a second. We don't really know what pyroluria is, and what therefore we don't really know what causes it. Um, what we're seeing is sort of this effect in the body. We're seeing mental, emotional effects. We're seeing physical effects, and and so it's it's like it's like looking at a shadow on the wall and trying to determine what the light source is. We know there's a light source out there, and we know that there's something blocking that light source that's projecting the shadow, but we don't we can't see it because we can't turn around for whatever reason, you know. And so that's kind of what this is like. So all of the, the reasons that I'm giving you at the moment are completely inferred based on observation, but nothing has been proven. So, so let, let, me, let me, you know, use that and then let's go forward. And, and part of that too is, is we'll talk a little bit about it from a Chinese medicine perspective uh, uh, for those of you who've studied acupuncture or Chinese medicine at all. Uh, or, or have had that, you know, experience. So, um, so let's talk about genetics first. Um, it pyroluria does run in families, and so a lot of the kids that I've worked with 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 Rad, their parents have criminal, their biological parents have criminal behaviors and and you know criminal record, and oftentimes we see pyroluria. It's actually very high in criminal populations. You know, it's it's sort of one of those things that that prevents people from sort of engaging in appropriate ways and dealing with their problems in an, in an adult way, as it were. And pyroluric people can be very argumentative and very confrontational, even though they don't really like other people or deal with crowds very well. Uh, it they they can be you know, push, they'll push a lot, you know, they'll, they'll ask why, they'll, you kind of get on edge being with them, you know, if they're in an, an intense state. And so that, that sort of thing will either lead you into, uh, you know, something that's an argumentative sort of uh, job, like being an, an attorney, for example, I'm, I'm kind of joking, uh, or, or, you know, it could lead into criminal behavior. Now, typically attorneys aren't pyroluric because typically pyroluric people don't do as well in school. 
So it's hard to get, you know, become an attorney. Uh, but it does run in families, like I said. And, and so one of the key things you could look for is, is there a parent, is there a grandparent, you know, brother, sister, un uncle with either depression, schizophrenia, bipolar, alcoholism, or, you know, attempted or did commit suicide? And typically, that's when you see the pyroluria in the person. So, and, and it's definitely one of the things that if that's the case, you want to have it tested. So let's take a break, and then I'm going to talk about some of the epigenetic factors with pyroluria. So stay tuned, and I'm also going to talk about an announcement about a book I am working on. So hold on. Hey, welcome back. I'm Dr. Gil Winkleman, and this is Ask Dr. Gil. So I want to get back to pyroluria, but before we do that, I wanted to put out an announcement of what I'm doing. And this is kind of a long-term project, but I wanted to include my audience in this. So I, I've been working on a book for some time now on what I do, which is kind of a combination of the Walsh Protocol, uh, naturopathic medicine, neurofeedback, my experience with traumatic brain injury, my experience as a psychotherapist, and working with mindfulness as well. So I've been kind of bringing all of that together, and I realized that really it needs to be more of a workbook. And so what I'm going to do instead is kind of parse out that material, but I want to get input from my audience as far as what it is that you would like to, to read, what, what would be helpful. And so I'm looking for two things. I'm looking for people to give input as to what topics they would like to see. For example, I could write this about just reactive attachment disorder. I could also write it about anxiety in general or anxiety with kids. So what focus would you like to see as part of doing, you know, as part of this? And the other thing is, is that I want to give everyone an opportunity to give input to what this book is, uh, is about as it's being written. And so my idea is, is that I'm going to release a chapter either every week or every few weeks and send it out to people who are on an email list. And so that way you guys can send me feedback about the book and what it is that worked or didn't work, as well as what it is you would like to hear, what would be helpful for you. So I'm going to be inviting people to do that and I will have that up on uh, the website as far as a mailing list here soon. But if you are interested in, in topics or hearing more about this, send me an email at info, info at askdrgill.com. That's A-S-K-D-R-G-I-L.com. 
I would love to get people's input and ideas about this because, you know, otherwise I'm just writing the book for me. And that was kind of what I realized as I was working on it. And, and it was helpful and it's been helpful in terms of consolidating a lot of what I do into one place, but it's probably not going to be what is needed, you know, for, for the majority of people out there. So that's kind of what, why I'm putting this out there to everybody. So, okay. So let's get back to pyroluria now. Um, and, and I talked about genetics as, as a cause of pyroluria. And I think that's a big one and, and one that, you know, I think, uh, uh, can be looked at and it's easy to look at. You can go back through your family history and kind of say, or, you know, the, the, if it's your child, you can look at, or if, if your child is adopted, you can often look at the family history. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes with foreign adoptions, you have no idea what's going on with the, the family. But, you know, you can, we can kind of look at that. Now, that's the genetic end. And on one of the other podcasts, we talked about epigenetics, and I'll probably do another one on epigenetics because I've gotten a lot of questions about it. But basically, the idea behind epigenetics is uh, the, this is a trait that can get passed on. It can be uh, it can be something that's inherited, but it's not coded into the DNA. And typically speaking, I would say most genetic things are like that. Uh, you know, you, you kind of have this trait that, that shows up, but it's there, uh, not because it's in the DNA and the DNA changed suddenly, it's how the DNA gets expressed and it's being expressed the same way over and over again. So any, everything we think, breathe, eat, experience creates changes in our epigenetic state and trauma, particularly in childhood is a huge factor with that. And we think that that may be the number one factor in terms of uh, why people have pyroluria. So, and, and this is probably why it worsens with stress and why, um, you know, p- people with pyroluria have trouble with stress and it becomes this never-ending, you know, loop and feedback cycle. So that's, that's one of the um, aspects of it that, that can show up. And with rad, a hundred percent of those kids have have trauma, and the trauma really, really needs to be dealt with in in one way or another. So, this is one of the things that that I see a lot of, not just with rad, but in pyroluria in general. Um, the chronic infection is an interesting one, and this is sort of controversial. I mean, you know, within a controversial topic. Uh, in other words, that there's something about a maybe a viral infection. Um, it also could be environmental toxicity, particularly heavy metals, or it could be a food allergy such as wheat, grains, um, eating too many processed foods. Although all of that, I actually think is more related to the disease where people crave that as opposed to the other way around. But let's talk about chronic infection and environmental toxicity because typically these affect the liver. And, and what we think we know about pyroluria is that it's, a, it's an issue of the liver and the spleen. Uh, the spleen is what breaks down the red blood cells. The liver is what makes the, the hemopoietin, which is you know, the part of the hemoglobin 
and, and goes into the red blood cells. Um, from a Chinese medicine perspective, this is sometimes called liver and spleen deficiency. So uh, oftentimes people uh, who have pyroluria, and I've treated enough adults with it uh, that I've seen this, they get treated for, for, for liver and or spleen deficiency a lot by their Chinese practitioners. Now, I'm not a Chinese practitioner. Uh, I have studied a little bit of Chinese medicine, not a lot, but a little bit. And so I have, um, you know, I only have this based on my limited knowledge, but I do see that. And oftentimes with, with a chronic infection, whether it's like an Epstein-Barr or cytomegalovirus, those organ systems are affected. And so that it may be that there's something that's impaired that needs healing that will then allow for the, the pyroluria to go away. So oftentimes I've seen this and I've had a few patients, you know, again, I, we don't know what's actually going on in these situations. So it's a little hard to predict and, and sort of manage. But I've had patients where I've, I've treated their uh, spleen and or liver naturopathically and their need for supplements was reduced. So that's a piece that's kind of interesting to me and maybe a clue as to what's going on in in this situation so so in any case that's all i have for you guys today i hope you've enjoyed this i'm really uh you know happy to answer questions and if you have them please send the to the email info at askdrgill.com a-s-k-d-r-g-i-l.com and please 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 send me some topic ideas of what you would be interested in reading and also like what kind of how the, that workbook might help you in some way. And I imagine those of you out there listening who aren't my patients and, and maybe you can't become my patient, you know, for whatever reason, either money or insurance or uh, wh- whatever it is, you know, send me an email. You know, there's something that, that maybe in this workbook can be helpful for you. So hope you enjoyed this. And I will talk to you guys next week. Take care. Have a great week.